Well, this is my last sermon at Cross Culture. Actually, I'm going to be preaching on Christmas Eve, but this is the last one where I get to choose the passage. Uh, someone once said to me, there are only two sermons you need to listen to of any pastor, the first one and the last one. Uh, and the first one, they outline their dreams for the church, and the last one, they say what they really think. Um, well, um, <laughs> uh, I hope that as we've unpacked the scriptures together over the last 10 years, I have said what I really think and, and uh, not told you stuff that you shouldn't be believing. Um, someone else said, oh, this is your chance to unload. Uh, yeah. Um, well, if you've come to listen to that, you might be a little bit disappointed. Although I do want to unload, I want to unload what God longs for, for you and for me as his people. And it's revealed uh, to us in this great pronouncement that he orders Moses to be spoken uh, to the people of Israel. Uh, God's been teaching me personally how good this ancient blessing is and how important it is uh, to pray this for ourselves and for the people that we love and also for the people that we struggle to love. Even for our enemies. Yes, Jesus said, bless them too. Uh, so this has been really helpful to me and I've actually benefited from a godly counsellor who's been helping me to do this. So this blessing actually contains the things that we all desperately need, doesn't it? God's blessing, uh, his protection, his warm affection, uh, his grace. And his peace. These are all things that we long for, aren't they? And actually, these are the very things God wants us to have. This is what he's saying here uh, as he asks that this blessing be said over the people of Israel. I want you to imagine the scene uh, when Aaron and his sons first do this. Uh, all the people of God are assembled, thousands and thousands of them. Uh, in the first chapter of this book of Numbers, the title gives it away a bit, doesn't it? There's 605,550 uh, men over 20 who can fight. Plus the families, okay? So a couple of million people gathered and they're going to pronounce this blessing over them. And it's really interesting, God addresses each one of those millions of people personally. So if you look at uh, verse 23 and verse 27, they are plural, they're about the whole people of God, but the blessing itself is singular. God bless you and you and you and you and God, you and you and you. And make his face to shine upon you and you and you and you. Each one of those millions of people. God wants to speak to them uh, directly. And notice too that Aaron and his sons, who are the, kind of the priests, their role actually is, is actually not to bless the people themselves. They are passing on God's blessing. I was once invited to a multi cultural function in a park where there's heaps of people of different nationalities and uh, on the organising committee was a mate of mine and he, he, he persuaded the people that Pastor Sam is going to bless the crowd <laughs> and uh, I thought, gee, what do I do? Anyway, I 
when, I, uh, when it was time for Pastor Sam to bless the crowd, I said, look, I'm sorry I can't bless anybody, but I do know who can. So let's ask him to do it. And this is exactly what Aaron and his sons are asked to do, to pass on God's blessing. Over the years, many people have come uh, to ask for prayer, special prayer, and that's right and proper. Uh, that's part of the role of a pastor. And it's always a great privilege to pray with people and to pray for them and to be there when they pray. It's a huge privilege that many of you have allowed me to partake of and other pastors as well. Uh, but it's not as if we have a franchise on access to God as pastors. I always say to people, God will listen to you much, just as much as he listened to me. Perhaps even more. You might be more righteous than I am. Um, so this it's reflected in this blessing. God wants to directly bless uh, each of these people. And all of us as his children. So what does he want for us? Let's look at it. There's six bits to this blessing. The first one is the Lord bless you. From the first chapter of the Bible to the last chapter, God is blessing people. As soon as he creates Adam and Eve, what, what's the very first thing he does? He blesses them. Even before he speaks to them, he blesses them. And in the last chapter of the Bible, there's a whole bunch of people there who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and God blesses them all. But it raises the question, doesn't it? What is God's blessing? Well, in the Old Testament, it was vast. Uh, Ray Brown, who's written a commentary on numbers, he says this, that the Hebrew mind, it was certain, it was specific, a vast store of priceless gifts that money could never buy. We often think of the blessing of God as piles of money, don't we? But actually, the things that are wrapped up in this blessing, the blessing of God are things actually money can't buy. Human love, children, the joys of family life, the, the delight of home uh, and the security uh, of abundant harvests. When we get to the New Testament, of course, the blessings that we have in Jesus are so much greater, aren't they? As we've been unpacking Ephesians, you know, we come across that massive list in chapter 1. Every spiritual blessing, salvation, forgiveness, eternal life, knowing God's will, uh, the Holy Spirit... An eternal family and the gospel itself. Now these are wonderful blessings, aren't they, that we've been thinking through over the last few weeks. And, and I've got to say at a personal level, these are the things that mean so much to me and Janet, that God has blessed us so much in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now when we ask God to bless us, uh, <laughs> we need to be careful what we ask for. Uh, God's promise to Abraham... Uh, tells us, us that one of the purposes of God blessing us is so that others, the nations, might be blessed through us, the people around us. And, of course, Jesus' last command, which was read to us earlier, uh, is that we take the blessing of the gospel to the nations. Get it out there. Um, so if you pray for God to bless you with a family and children and a home and a good job and stuff like that, be aware that if God does do that for you, a big part of that purpose is so you can bless others uh, with your home and your money and whatever else. Um, his purpose is that many others will be blessed 
through us. And it's been a great blessing to be with you over the past 10 years and see that happen over and over again. You know, we just planned a church in Tarnit, right? Heaps of people went out there. They took their money with them and they're giving to the Tarnit church. And God has blessed us so much. Our offerings have gone up. It's so encouraging that as we've blessed others, God continues. It's not about the money and the numbers and stuff, but God blesses us as we uh, give out. I've been reading a great book lately. Uh, It's a good book for where I'm at and for where you're at too. It's called Faithfully Present, Embracing the Limits of Where and When God Has You. And one of the questions this bloke looks at is uh, the question of sharing the gospel. And I think we agonise over that, don't we? We, You know, where does God want me to share the gospel? You know, should I be a missionary? Should I be like Lauren? Should I go to this country or that country, this people group or that people group? Um, And and they're important questions, aren't they? Um, They're good questions. Uh, Especially if those places are yet to hear the good news of Jesus. Uh, But at another level, that question is so, so simple, isn't it? Where does God want me and when does he want me to share the good news? Well, it must be where he's put me now. (laughs) Otherwise, why has he put me there? And why has he given me the blessing of the gospel? Uh, So this blessing the nations is not just over there. It's with our neighbours and our friends. And friends, let me encourage you. uh, If God does bless you with children and answers your prayers that they follow Jesus, please, uh, when they say that they want to serve God full time, please encourage them. Don't say to them, why don't you get a real job? No, (laughs) that's why God's answered your prayer, to give you children who love and serve and follow Jesus. And when they want to do it, encourage them, back them, encourage them to do it. And Janet and I have wonderful first-hand experience of what a blessing it is. Uh, when your children go in this direction and the Lord uses them to reach the unreached. First one, the Lord bless you. Secondly, the Lord keep you. Uh, How we need this, God's keeping, don't we? He's guarding from the dangers and temptations of the world around us, uh, from all the assaults of the evil one, seeking to destroy us and wreck our life. Uh, But more than that, mostly it is, my experience is anyway, We need guarding from ourselves and our own waywardness. And that's what God wants. He wants to protect us and guard us. And praise God, unlike the people in the desert uh, who who are being blessed by Aaron and his sons, this side of the cross we have uh, the blessing of the Holy Spirit and Jesus in us, uh, protecting us and guarding us and keeping us. And he promises that he will. Uh, So we have the promise made more sure. And of course the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment and keeps us on the rails. But he does that sometimes for other people, doesn't he? And I'm I'm so thankful for uh, Christian brothers and sisters uh, in this church and particularly our eldership and pastors team who have spoken into my life and kept me from some foolish things. And, 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 and uh, been used by God to guard me and, and actually to guard our whole church uh, from going in wrong directions. And I want to thank all of you too who've had a role in that as well in various ways. 
Uh, God fulfilled this keeping his people through the desert wanderings. He promised that he would keep them and he did. Uh, so at the beginning he said he was going to send his angel uh, to keep you or guard you on the way to the place that I've prepared. Uh, and then at the end of the book of Joshua, uh, it's reported there, it's the Lord our God who brought us out of the land of Egypt and preserved us or guarded us, kept us exactly the same word as in this blessing, in all the way that we went. Uh, so here's God keeping his promises in the Old Testament and the New Testament. He promises he will bring us safely home as we humbly rely on him. Of course, we have to take our part in that as well uh, by guarding our own lives. Uh, and also, as a church, guarding our unity in Christ that he's already given us and keeping uh, on track. So the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you. Thirdly, the Lord make his face to shine upon you. If you track this idea of the face of God uh, through the Old Testament, it's very, very interesting. Often God turns his face away uh, from his rebellious people. He just can't stomach looking at what they're doing. But that's not the idea here. God longs uh, that the warmth of his love and the brightness of who he is might shine upon us, uh, might really, really bless us. And friends, uh, this side of the cross, uh, we have seen the face of God way more clearly shining on us than those people have. Uh, Paul says in... Uh, 2 Corinthians, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, where? In the face of Christ, in the face of Jesus Christ. What a privilege it is uh, to know Jesus and have his face turned towards us. The children of Israel saw a reflection of the face of God uh, in Moses. And they got freaked out. He came down from the mountain, his face, they said, cover it. <laughs> and they just saw a, a dim reflection of it. But we see the fullness of it in the face of Christ. What a wonderful privilege. Lord, bless us, keep us, make his face to shine upon us. Fourthly, be gracious to you. The grace of God is such a wonderful thing, isn't it? And we need it so much to do with our sin and our failure, uh, to be forgiven, uh, to receive his salvation and also to live a life contrary to our own selfish desires and to live out God's good purposes. It's been so wonderful to go through Ephesians these last few months and, and to see that. But um, it's worth thinking about the context here. Uh, who is God asking to pronounce this blessing, right? It's Aaron and his sons. Aaron, like all of us, has a history. A few months before this, what was Aaron doing? Moses is up the mountain and Aaron is leading the people in rebellion against God. He tells them to go and get all their gold and his precious metal and he turns it into a golden calf uh, which kind of was mixed up with the fertility cults around about, and they're bowing down to worship this thing and dancing around it and partying. He's a man with a history that has failure written across it at this point, isn't he? 
Epic fail. When Moses comes down, he says, what are you guys doing? And what does he say? He lies to his back teeth. Oh, look, you know, they chucked this stuff in the fire and this thing came out. And, yeah, right. Um, so not only has he led the people in idolatry, but he's lied about his part in it. And God's rightly upset and angry about this. But God forgives him and gives him a second chance. He's forgiven. And he's tasked with pronouncing God's gracious blessing uh, over these people. God commands that he does it. And the people he's blessing, with the exception of Moses, they're all idol wor- former idol worshippers too. I'm pretty sure that every time Aaron got up to pronounce this blessing, he did it with a pretty big lump in his throat as he thought, how gracious is God. I should be wiped out. I've done such terrible things. And yet he's trusted me. Uh, to give this blessing to his people, his forgiven people. Friends, we're all people with a history, aren't we? With a, a history of idolatry, actually, isn't it? Let's be honest. Putting ourselves first, what we want first, ahead of what God wants. It's no different to what Aaron did. And there are two things you learn from this, aren't there? Firstly, no matter how badly we've let God down, he longs for us that we turn back and receive his forgiveness. Uh, that we take his second chance. That we receive his grace. That's the first thing. And the second thing is that he longs that out of the abundance of our own receiving of God's abundant grace, that we extend that to others. That we become living testimonies of God's generous grace and we bring blessing to the lives of others. You know, the last 10 years with you guys have been so encouraging. It's been a wonderful privilege seeing God do great things in your lives as uh, some have come to know Jesus and as you've grown to be more like him and as together we've reached out with the gospel. Um, and it, 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 all of us are capable of incredible good and and incredible kindness but we also know too don't we that the opposite true we're actually capable of hurting other people and busting up relationships of grieving God's spirit and friends that is why it is so good that God is is gracious and he wants to be gracious to us And he wants us to know that. He wants it to be announced, as we have done pretty much week by week here. So, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, shine upon you, be gracious to you. Uh, The fifth one, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. The word for countenance here actually is the same as the word for face uh, in verse 25. Lift up his face upon you. Before it's shine his face upon you, but here it's lift up his face upon you. What's that about? Well, one of the first mentions of face uh, is way back uh, with Cain, the first murderer. And when 
God began to talk to him. He said, why is your face down? In Cain's case, it was because of what was in his heart. He was angry. He was angry with his brother. And of course, our sin, Cain actually was right to be downcast, but he had the wrong reason. Should have been thinking about his own sin. But God's face actually is down in some ways, isn't it? Because of our sin. And he wants to lift it up. He wants to lift it up and he wants us to know that he wants to do that. So how can God lift up his face on sinful people like you and me, former idolaters and all that? How can he do it? Well, the answer is in another person's face. And that's the Lord Jesus. Uh, Luke 9 tells us, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, to go to the cross and pay for our sins, to suffer God turning his face away from him, and to face the awful penalty of our rebellion against God. And because Jesus did that, God can lift his face up on us. Because in Jesus, he has fixed all that. This is such a wonderful truth, isn't it? And I have to keep coming back to that. You know, you all know I've got plenty of failings. And it's easy to get down about, oh, I haven't done this, or I've done the wrong thing here, or I've upset that person, and I should, should, shouldn't have said that. All those things that have happened and... Some of you have been on the receiving end of that, and I apologise. It's so easy, isn't it, for us to get downcast, down on ourselves. And rightfully so. We do do the wrong thing. And this is so good, isn't it? We can keep coming back to the cross where we know that Jesus has faced the penalty of that. And God can lift his face on us and look us in the eye and say, because of Jesus, you're forgiven. You're in my family. You're going to be with me forever. So wonderful, isn't it? And we just need to keep coming back to that all the time, that he takes away the guilt and the shame that causes us to lower our faces. And the final one, of course, is a flow-on from all of the above. Give you peace. So bless you, keep you, shine upon you, be gracious to you, lift up his face upon you and give you peace. Uh, how we need peace, how desperately we need it. We need it in our world, but we also need it in ourselves, don't we? Uh, there have been many times in the last 10 years when I've woken up at 2 or 3 or 4 a.m. with some worry on my mind. And at times like that, you realise actually what a precious thing peace is. It's a great blessing from God, the peace that passes all understanding, as Paul talks about. Uh, but actually, true biblical peace is a lot more than just lack of turmoil or conflict. Uh, Hebrew shalom is about wholeness and perfection and contentment. Uh, or as Brown says, the serenity that comes from the, insur- the assurance that God provides all that's necessary for life's journey. How much we need that. The assurance that we don't have to worry about the future. God is going to provide everything that's needed. You know, it's, you, you all know this, it's very hard, isn't it, to 
be a peaceful presence for the people around you if you're not at peace yourself. And so this is, this is so important, isn't it? And this is where a deep trust in the absolute sovereignty and the complete goodness of God is the bedrock of our faith, isn't it? Uh, over our decades in ministry and in mission, so many times we've had to come back to that central truth. We've got no idea what God's doing here, but we know that he is still good and he's still in charge. He hasn't gone missing in action. The first pastor that I worked under got cancer in the peak of his ministry and he died at the age of 44, leaving four young boys. Mukhtar, a young colleague in outreach when we are in Pakistan, he's killed in a truck accident. He's on his way to help people who were blind and the truck flipped and kill him, killed him. Uh, the car full of students coming home from Easter camp that rolled a couple of years ago. What's God doing there? He's have to keep coming back. Well, we don't fully know, but we trust that he's in charge. On Friday, friends of ours contacted us and told us that their lovely Christian daughter passed away unexpectedly. What do you make of that? It's very hard to make anything of it, really, but the only thing we can fall back on and that they can fall back on in their grief is that God loves them. And he's still in charge. He's still working out his good plans and purposes. Friends, the place of peace is the place of trust in God's absolute goodness and love. And, of course, in that place, God teaches us things that we can't learn anywhere else. And At a very basic level, that's what he's doing when we suffer. We go through really tough stuff. At a very basic level, we can... Trust him that he's teaching us that he's trustworthy. Now, I know that's a long journey and it doesn't happen on day one uh, after something really hard has happened. But that's who he is and that's what he wants. He wants us to have peace. The peace of knowing him and trusting him. Finally, verse 27, God ends by saying that this is how he puts his name on his people. That's interesting, isn't it? When I was a kid on the farm, uh, we used to brand our cattle. We would put our name on the cattle. Actually, it was my dad's name. It was his initials. Uh, it was quite a painful experience for the cows uh, to have that name put on them. I think they have better ways of doing it now. Uh, but basically, we did that. So if, it, if the cattle got mixed up or they wandered into the neighbour's place or someone stole them, uh, we would be able to say, yeah, that's one of ours. Um, and uh, it was a painful thing for the cows. But God's way is really different, isn't it, of putting his name on us? How does he do it? By blessing us, by keeping us, by making his face to shine upon us, by being gracious to us, by lifting up his face towards us and by giving us his peace. This is how those around us will know uh, that we have a mighty and a compassionate God. 
as we see and experience those things in our lives and they also see and experience it. Uh, the Apostle Peter says, You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. So it's not just about us feeling better. It's about the whole world knowing the excellency of God who called us out of darkness into his marvellous light. So as I finish at Cross Culture, I want to say the Lord bless you, he keep you, uh, may his face shine upon you, may he be gracious to you, may he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. For each one of you and for the whole church, there's nothing better for us, for the people, uh, us personally, for the people that we love, the people that we struggle to love, the people who are yet to know Jesus, uh, than what God wants for us in these six things. Uh, I want us to finish by pronouncing this blessing uh, on each other. So why don't we do it this way? You mob over there, say the first verse, <laughs> right, the top one. To all these people over here. And then you guys in the middle, you say the middle one to the people over there, either side, and you mob over there, you say out loud the last one to everybody else. Let's try doing this. Okay? The Lord. Thank you for all the saints and priests of cross-culture <laughs> for blessing one another. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you so much that your heart is to bless us, to keep us, to have your face shine upon us, to be gracious to us, to lift up your face upon us and to give us peace and we thank you so much that you have done all of that in the Lord Jesus and Lord help us wherever you place us to keep on trusting him and following him and enjoying him forever. Amen.